thanks again for checking out Bleach Mouth Postscript. My name is Larry. Uh, this podcast is basically a conversation between two people about music. I have a guest on each episode, and they come armed with five pieces of music that they love for whatever reason it might be. It can be an LP, an EP, a song. It doesn't matter what it is as long as we're talking about music. Today's guest is Frank McGee. Frank is the vocalist for Akron hardcore band Feds. Uh, he has also been the drummer for The Unclean and actually uh, was the drummer on some demos for my current band, Persistent Aggressor. Uh, we have not released those to the public, but without Frank's assistance, I don't think we would have been able to get the ball rolling. Uh, anyway, Frank's been a buddy of mine for a really long time. always love having conversations with him, particularly about music. Um, we share a lot of the same interests musically as well as other things. And uh, it's it's always a lot of fun talking to him. He's a pretty funny dude, and uh, you know I really appreciate his friendship. So we cover a lot of ground with this episode, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Check it out. first couple interviews at least twice i was halfway through one and realized i didn't fucking hit record i was so pissed fortunately and that's why that's why i did with jason luchka and eagle first but eagles eagles didn't turn out because the sound quality was real bad i was able to Uh sort out the sound quality with luchka um i did one with uh malcolm let me adjust this early on but I caught myself and we finished the conversation at the end of it. I said, Hey, look, we got to go back over some stuff. It'll take 15 minutes. He said, all right, let's go. 
So I just pieced it together. His whole conversation is like from two pieces the same night. Oh, wow. It sounded seamless. I mean, you did a good job on it. I'm still trying to suss out why the fuck it sounds like I'm telling people secrets during the intros. Like the intros. Yeah, it, it is a little quieter. Yeah, but the interview parts is fine. Yeah, yeah I don't know what it is. I'll figure it out. I mean, I might have to get big metal uh, involved because he understands this a little bit better than I do. But yeah, he's the guy for sure. Well, I mean, it's better because I've compressed it and I've done some shit with it in the the platform. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. So it sounds like I don't want to tell people who's on the show. I don't want to tell yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> show by the way it sounds like npr when it opens up like it sounds like uh like quiet time npr when it first opens up and then it's like it sounds like you're two different people well uh, it is it is strange i think i sound really bored during the intros like yeah oh, i'm doing the intro i really don't want to talk to this person <laughs> but here we are you know here we are yeah <laughs> how are you and i'm fucking good uh I have been uh, getting humbled every single day going to the gym with uh, one of my younger friends, uh, my dude, Zach, shout out, Zach, uh, lifting with him every day. And dude, he, he's just like, he's uh, had, he broke his humerus and he also had a, a shoulder surgery on the same side. Uh-huh. So he's limited to what he can do, but occasionally, and as he's healing, he just is so strong. It's, it's like unbelievable. Yeah, And I'll be struggling with something and he'll do it 20 times, you know, but uh, that, so I, I, I've been doing that and it's been good though. Uh, boxing like four times a week, which has been good. And I'm just kind of reconnected with like an old friend and he's just started getting into shit like about a year ago. So I've been like working out with him too. And then uh, fishing, it's kind of an odd time to fish. I actually just got off the river uh, with uh, old Joe Brown. We were out there fucking wading about trying to catch some steelhead or some smallmouth but it's what just river? the weather uh Cuyahoga river but uh, uh you know where like uh the chuckery and oxbow area are yes right yes off Cuyahoga street we okay. were over there we yeah we started off of Cuyahoga street and then we went back a little further and just were just fucking around we didn't have we didn't have a waders we just had boots on so tomorrow i think we're going to meet up because it's supposed to be nice and wade through a little bit and get in it a little bit more so what time do you usually get started today. I am uh, like late afternoon to evening fisherman mostly because I just don't like waking up early as much as I love fishing. I fucking hate waking <laughs> up early, like early, like fisherman early. I just unless I'm like if we're going on a trip, like if we're going to go out to like Sandusky and, you know, drag the boat out, get a hotel and then do that. That's fine. But to get up and dry and do I just I'm like, fuck it. So and I have great. I mean. I, I have allowed us more success than people that uh, when I tell them like, Oh, I started fishing at noon and they're like, Oh, nothing's biting. Like hi, son. Like what the fuck? And I'm like, nah, man, I, I, I've got pictures to prove it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I've seen some of those pictures too. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They're out there. So speaking of monsters, let's talk about ice cube. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you wouldn't, I mean, he was only a monster to, uh, you know, politicians and, you know, racist folks, really, when you think right. about it. But now he's right. the furthest thing from. He's making family movies and, you know. Yeah, he is a, a kitten. It's a far yeah. cry from uh, <laughs> The Predator. Tell me how you yeah. that album. So uh, 
<clears throat> so I went to uh, I, I went to public school up until the middle of fifth grade, just misbehaving, being a dickhead little kid. And uh, my parents, uh, who didn't have a lot of money, they scraped what they could together, basically, to send me to this shitty private school in Kent called St. Patrick's. And uh, a kid that I rode the bus with, uh, who him and I had like traded uh, tapes and shit like that, like we would like switch tape, swap tapes for our like Walkmans for the bus ride, because we had to take a bus there from our local school district, which was Field from Brimfield, you know. Mm -hmm. uh but anyway so we would share tapes and whatever well there was uh at one point in time in downtown kent there was a hip-hop shop and it was right across the street from the kent theater and uh you know every time like the bus would roll by they would at that time like the no limit stuff was huge so they would have like the posters out front so you, you could see like the new shit that would be uh that would be coming out uh but uh anyway so he occasionally would like literally sprint there from the school while we were waiting for the bus and then buy something and come back and, and get it. And I would do that with him too, like later on. But uh, anyway, we're riding the bus one day and he's like, Oh man, you should, uh, you should check this out. You know, it's got ice cube on the front holding the, uh, like the CB radio thing that has a skull on like a skull and crossbones on it. And uh, I put it in and from the opening uh, it's got the American me opening on it. And mm -hmm. then it goes into when will they shoot, which I still think is probably the hardest rap song of all time.
those cockroaches. And if you can't deal with my killing will, here's a new gift again. Try my death certificate, America most. America first is like toast, like joy. I'm going coast to coast. Trouble in the bucket comes a nigga with the motherfucking monster dust. Get off me, punk. I heard a shot. Boom. Incredible beat, uh, you know, wild lyrics, whatever. But I heard that and I remember uh, I liken it to an apocalypse now when Marlon Brando talks about how he saw all the children's arms cut off that were inoculated and it hit him like a diamond bullet in his forehead on mm-hmm. like now he understood. That's exactly how I felt the minute that, that the first Ice Cube went into the first verse of that song. I was like, this is the gnarliest thing I've ever fucking heard in my entire life. And I'm in fifth grade, by the way. Was that uh, so your I hadn't first heard a lot. For, was that your first foray into hip hop? Uh, outside of like, just like bullshit, like kind of MTV stuff into yeah. real hip hop that like, wasn't cause that was, it was mainstream, but it also wasn't, you know what right. I mean? Like that, that song, especially the hit off of that record was, uh, uh, it was a good day. Right. Which is like an easy kind of laid back kind of West Coast, you know, vibe song, more like the uh, G funk type shit, you know. So that was my first kind of introspective look into like like mean gangster rap. Yes, that that would have that would have been it. Like I said, it fucking blew me away. And uh, every time that I saw that kid, I would just listen to it to the point where he was just like he got sick of it. So I just kept it. And I listened to that tape probably every day for an entire school year. I, I just I Damn. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I and even to this day, like I said, uh, for for any kind of of uh, mixed for like like working out or like anything like that, five songs off that record are are on it without a doubt. Yeah, but I mean, it yeah. definitely it definitely wasn't a mainstream record in that I that definitely was not what he was shooting for. I mean, I think yeah. he had the confidence to say, "Well, I'm going to make the record that I know I can make." and right. make good you know um right. but i think he also knew it's, it's gonna be a hit you know I mean, yeah he just he yeah. he came off of uh death certificate was before that before that was america's most wanted so he was yep. three albums deep plus the ep kill it will which yeah. has uh jack and for beats which was i loved that song because he was like straight up pulling everybody's famous yeah. samples and he was able to rhyme <laughs> over all of them that was pretty oh, yeah. brilliant so yeah. what what was your what what was your favorite cut off of that record? Do you think? 
when will they shoot is the first song it's the so it's the, that's the opener that's the one that that really like i said really fucked me up and then uh uh, uh we had to tear this motherfucker up is probably my to this day my favorite like gangster rap song of all time peace quiet and good order will be maintained in our city to the best of our ability riots melees and disturbances of the peace are against the interest of all our people and therefore cannot be permitted the jury found that they were all not guilty not guilty not guilty not guilty
Timothy landed Theodore Bresenio before officers accused of beating motorist Rodney King. Did you dive into NWA right after that, or did that come yeah, I, later? Once I kind of realized like what was happening there, because I had like a, you know, being in Northeast Ohio, uh, I, we had like neighbor kids that lived across the street from us whose like parents just kind of let them run around like feral children. Right. And they all, they were into like bone <laughs> thugs and like new metal shit and like stuff like that. So I had heard some bone thug stuff and I kind of went back and revisited that. And I was like, holy shit, East 1999 Eternal, this is a fucking great record. And then, you know, they had the Crossroads song and it was all about Easy e and that video was on MTV all the time, which, you know, MTV yep. was like important at the, at the time. So I was like, who the fuck is this Easy e guy? Why, why do they miss him so much? You know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't figure out like, why anybody cared about this dude and then i was like i i did my own like kind of like research backwards you know no internet like having to like look up shit uh rolling my mom owned a little uh, a little beauty salon for years and she would get rolling stone magazine so i would literally go back in copies and like look up that kind of shit and, like anything that i could that had any, anything to do with death row records priority records lynch mob uh uh what was the one that mugs did i, I don't know the comp that mugs used to put out all the time soul like assassins all, soul assassins there we go all of that shit anything that had anything to do with that i was like reading it and like just taking it for gospel you know what i mean so yeah. easy e and nwa like that all kind of came and easy e, like even when i was a kid i was like oh this guy's just like a silly dude but uh from what i would like learn about it, i was like oh well he was actually like a true like street hustler kind of guy was like cool with a lot of like gang members and you know what i'm saying he was shooting dice drinking 40 smoking weeds hollering at, at bitches you know that was like what he was legitimately doing yeah and all these other guys like they were from the hood but they were they were kind of playing the part of of what he was actually like kind of living so well i mean there's you know. there's a it's weird because you kind of you know you could say well they were playing the part but i don't i think that the for me the thing that was important about those groups or not those groups those those MCs and NWA isn't so much the gangster stuff as much as it was just what they were telling you about what they faced, whether they were gangsters or not. Right. You know, like the talk about police brutality and just, you know, you don't have to be a stone cold hustler to not see that that's going on around you. You know True. I mean? You live yeah. in a place and, and that's still your context. That's still the environment, you know? Right. Um, right. So I, I took more from that. Admittedly, NWA wasn't my favorite. I right. I really liked uh, Ice Cube solo work much more than NWA. And and you and I have talked about this before. I really love DOC's one record. His record right. is just astonishingly good. I mean, uh, no one can do it better. Is it's amazing how good that guy was. And right. I really like Ren. Um, yeah. You know, Shock of the Hour was okay. But the one I really, really liked was uh, the villain in black because he had a had a single uh, mad scientist with a great video that yeah. accompanied it. Always talking about a trigger Just to get paid, they make it all routine 
seen Hip hop crack and pop, they running from the scene There's too many records out, they ain't saying nothing And fake ass radio stations ain't playing nothing This shit gotta get back, it's time to MC Too many new niggas ain't sure like I'll be I wanna be Al and only care for the green I'm posed like a bitch to get put in a magazine You ain't fresh, you ain't right on, you ain't the source Nigga wanted to get with me, but your shit was horse Hang around to get a listen Tried to peep in my notebook But lost a leg Got paralyzed Neck up from what you read I'm at scientists He and Cube clearly were the two strongest MCs related Definitely. to Definitely. Aside from DOC, but yeah, he's kind of apart from that in a way. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, def- I think the introspective that that Easy more or less like gave them for like the 
the hustler day-to-day kind of shit and like the gangster shit but then yeah obviously like you know getting harassed by cops and getting shot at by random people and yeah you know seeing dead bodies and drugs and you know all that kind of shit is is definitely uh is definitely real and i you know easy even though i i do love uh easy ease like parts and shit like that he does have an almost unlistenable voice and flow and everything oh, yeah. like that. Like, yeah. you know, Ren and, and uh, Ice Cube, without a doubt, are the are the shining stars of of uh, of that, in my opinion, just the same way. Andre and, and Yellow's you know, production, you know. Yeah, right. I mean, you can't, you know, uh, that song, Give Him Something to Dance To, uh, you know what I'm saying? Off Straight out of Compton is like, you know, you can hear like they're like, uh, pump it up some and like uh, add a little drum, you know, like all that kind of shit. It's funny because <laughs> as the song progresses, it's like the lyrics are dumb and they're it's like kind of silly. But that's what I also like too is that they have a song. They have songs about murdering cops and being gangsters, and then they also have like silly, like making fun of like what's hot at the time. Like I I love absurd and like silly shit. So well, the think- fact that it kind of towed the line, I just I fucking loved it. I still love it. Well, I think one of the, sure. I think that that's a really good observation because one of the things that the media overall does to black men, and I don't say it's because I'm a black guy, I don't know what that's like, but I've seen it. Right. I've seen it happen. To you know, dudes are are either clowns or they're gangsters, and with yeah. them having those lighter moments, or even on Ice Cube's, you know, today was a good day. It allows it allows a dude to present himself as a fully formed human being, and right. I don't think you know. And look, what do I know? I'm a fucking white dude from Akron, but yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of dudes. Likewise, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because I've seen my friends go through it. I don't think that a lot of dudes are given the opportunity to be fully formed human beings the way the rest of us are, and the fact that NWA has those moments on those records, I think that's important too. You know. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Everybody focuses on the gangster stuff and the, you know, anti-cop stuff, which is all super important because it's all true. Right. But that other part, that's just as true too, you know. Oh, for that's, sure. That's just something I've noticed over time, you know. Um, yeah. You know, uh, tangentially related to that, you know, you can look at, uh, you know, ghetto boys, right? Who were right. contemporaries of um, NWA. You know, they were floating around about the same time. Bushwick Bill, although he was absolutely terrifying in his own way, he was the relief. He was able right. to say, well, you know, and I don't mean comic relief like he's a clown, but I mean that they're painting a whole picture, you know, and right. so, I mean, you see it there as well. And uh, that's, you know, something I noticed about them. Um, you know, another... Every, everything needs a break. That yeah. That's how I look at it. Like, you, and, uh, you know, there's a couple of ways I look at it. You know, uh, if 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 Easy would have been as great of an MC as as uh, Ren and Ice Cube, I would have liked it less because even though I, the gangster shit is what like kind of drew me in, the, they they kept me in by like some of the silly shit. And, and to piggyback that, the scariest dudes I've ever met in my entire life have also probably made me laugh the absolute hardest. Like the wildest dudes that I know are also like, you know, once you're kind of in the, in, in with them, they are just kind of silly dipshits. And it, uh, like I said, like it makes, it's so much more endearing to me to be like, well, I know what you're capable of and I know what you have done and all this kind of shit, but 
the fact that you can just be like a regular, like polite, nice, like silly guy. And it just, I can't just have some turbo hard ass all the time. I can't, I can't do it. I can't be around that kind of shit. Uh, it's not, you know what I'm saying? Like it it drives me fucking crazy, uh, in, in the world. Like I just can't take that. So I've removed myself immediately. Like once, once that, you know, that element like can't be broken up at all. I can't do it. So yeah, I, that, that kind of, uh, just that little bit of a break, even on like the predator, it was a good day. It's a nice laid back chill song. And then you've got like songs like the dirty Mac where it's like, it's like kind of silly and like tells a story and it's kind of gangster, but it's silly. And like the gangster fairy tale type shit, like that's all necessary, a necessary break. When I was a kid, I'd skip over that shit. But then when you go back and listen to it as an adult, you're like, it kind of refreshes. It's like the ginger and sushi, like, yeah, it's whatever, but it it cleanses the palate and makes you want to go back to it. That kind of hyper toughness, even with people that you know in real life, I mean, they might be able to mop the floor with you, but that sort of on 15 at all times, it's not, it's not real. No, it's, uh-uh. it's real in that. Yeah. They could do that to you, but it's not real in that. It's just a front. They, they don't want you to see who they are at least you know, right. that or they're such sociopaths. <clears throat> well, maybe, I, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but either they're <laughs> sociopaths or it's just a front. And yeah, that's right. not speaking to their actual legitimate toughness or intensity or ability to hurt somebody. It's just speaking to that. It's still a front, you know I mean? Right. And I I'm with you. I can't be around people like that. It's no, I can't any, do it. One. I don't, I don't need that in my life. Right. <laughs> you know, same And yeah. two, even if I was, you know, more inclined to that sort of nonsense, um, how much fun is that to be like that all the time? Yeah, it's not. I, I agree. I love fucking around and having a good time. Like it breaks up the monotony of, of life. And, you know, I got enough terrible shit going on in my head. You know what I'm saying? That like yeah. that, that's a, it's a nice break. Yeah. If you want to shoot up the block and all that kind of shit, cool. But if you can't fuck around and quote dumb and dumber or Ace Ventura or Anchorman or something like that, I've got no use for you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> at all, you know, so <laughs> that's speaking what I of fun. Speaking of fun, that Outcast uh, debut is a really fun record. I mean, there's some really oh, yeah. intense moments on there too, but in a, oh, yeah. in a different way. It's a little more um, subtle, and I think the subtlety has to do with the music and the way that that's the presentation of it. But that's a really fun record. Did that one come pretty early to you, along with Ice Cube? Yeah, honestly, that one was uh, within the same year of Ice Cube or. Uh, that was another, that was one I made the run to the hip hop shop waiting for the bus one time. Right. Yeah. And I had a CD Walkman at the time, right. I got it for Christmas and I went to the hip hop shop. I'm looking around. Like I said, I mean, I had a, a window of like 15 minutes to pick something out and I saw the Southern playlist of Cadillac music CD. It was out. And they have one that wasn't wrapped. And I just opened it up to take the booklet out to, to read through it, look through it. And on the actual CD itself, it's got an illustration of like a really hot black girl with an Afro and she's naked and you can see, you can see her, uh, her boobs. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to buy, you know, I'm fucking in fifth grade. Like I'm definitely buying this. Yeah. Uh, so I, that was like the main motivation to, to buy it. Uh, but I think Aquim and I, uh, I think the Rosa Parks single had just came out. Put it up. Oh, yeah. Baby. 
So maybe the whole record didn't come out, but they debuted it. So I saw it and they, that's when like they started getting kind of weird, but it was still a great record, but it was weird. So I was like, oh, this is the same group that put that out. So that's what kind of made me interested in the first place. And then having a, a naked, uh, beautifully illustrated black woman on the CD, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, like this is my shit. So I got it and then I put it in. It was like the same thing. It absolutely blew my mind. And like like the the gangster shit from Ice Cube that like I kind of emulated uh, and, you know, like the wear, you know, like the black white socks hat and the fucking gold chains. And you know what I'm saying? Like black crew neck sweatshirt. Well, now these dudes are talking about pimps wearing fucking you know what I'm saying? Uh, big hats with like feathers in them and gators and shit like that. Uh, and, you know, in their own right, they were kind of gangster too. You know, they're wearing like 10 sizes, two big jeans and like Atlanta Braves uh, jerseys and shit. And they're, you know, it, and it's, they're more balanced with like good time rap and gangster shit on that record, which, which I yeah. liked. It kind of drew me in even more. Cause I was like, this is, this is like, I can chill and listen to this, but there's a couple songs on there where it's just like, okay, I can see where these guys are a little scared. Like they're telling the story of where they're from, yeah. you know, where it's the same way where it, it was, uh, but yeah, that, that it was like shortly after that. And because it was a slight, it was a different flavor. It was a different speed. That flow from both of them is so razor sharp, but it's like, uh, it's like John Bonham's drumming. It's like, there's, there's a, there's a particular groove that they both are able to hit. That is so fucking appealing even if you don't necessarily like the song, you don't care for the lyrics, whatever, you cannot say anything about the fact of the way that those guys are able to put lyrics together. It's at that time, relatively unrivaled. You know what I'm saying? Like there's definitely some New York guys that were doing it, but that record is proof positive of like just how innovative and uh, I think brilliant that both of those Andre and uh, uh, big boy are for sure. Yeah, I think, I think most people look to the music as far as, yeah, you know, what they value with that group. I mean, they're recognized as MCs, but I think that they'd be more well-recognized if th the time they came out, there was a glut of amazing MCs oh, all yeah. over the place. You know, Big time. And yeah. it's hard to really, um, you know, stake your claim, you know, plant your flag and say, this is where I'm at. They had the good fortune of like having great music and a different perspective on on hip hop and how to do it. And um, I think that it really set them apart and made them millionaires. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Several times over probably, you know? Um, yeah. And I, you know, the, the later, the later shit didn't really do it for me. I, I, they put out that stink on record when I was in high school and I was doing drugs and having a good time. So like that was about the most appeal to it. And it was like kind of out there and bizarre and shit, yeah. but uh, uh, uh Southern Playlist to Cadillac Music, ATLians, and Aquemini. Aquemini, I feel like, was the last great record, and the first one and that one I liked the most. But there was definitely, like, you know, re-looking back at it uh, as an adult and seeing, like, the shit that they were kind of up against and the fact they were able to break through. And then I thought about it. I was like, well, maybe making this, like, kind of pivot to all this, like, kind of weird, outlandish, kind of silly shit maybe it kind of was the fucking move for them in order to take them to like the next level, uh, I guess. And I mean, considering well, I mean, that they put out two or three more records that were just like absurd and kind of silly and that weird, might, but not that might've, that might've been a move that they considered, you know, if they wanted to, yeah. you know, 
move forward, but it would not have worked as well as it did if they weren't being true to themselves. I have no doubt my mind sure. Andre 3000 is, is a total weird beard in the best sure. way. He, he's yeah. a weird, he's a weirdo guy, you know? And I don't mean that like yeah. a Devo sort of weirdo way. I mean, just like, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, guys, Devo really aren't weird, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he, he's, <laughs> right. he's more, he's more willing to put us, put himself out there in ways that a lot of other dudes who aren't willing to do it. You know, he's right. like, I'm into this. I like this. I like this. And he, he takes all that stuff and he brings it in. Um, <clears throat> I think big boy might've been more restrained than Andre, for sure. but they both yeah. had like their um, characteristic um, eccentricities that really came out later on. But I don't think it would have worked if they weren't, if it wasn't honest. You know? Right, and I might yeah. not have liked those later records. I mean, I, I drop off at Aquemini as well, but I can't fault them for shooting their careers through the stratosphere with those. You know, right. really that double album that they did, the split. What was this? Yeah, uh, speaker box and and the love below, the love below, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yep. Um. So let's pivot to uh, something completely, um, something completely different than that okay um and i, I want to pivot to it because i love both of these records so much but i have yet to have a person you know sit and talk with me about either one of them uh just because it just hasn't come up but yep. Slapshot is a band that those those two records back on a map and step on it the EP and the LP are great by any measure. I mean, they're the last other than wrecking crew for a long time. Uh, they were the last great Boston hardcore records. I mean, you had sure. them wrecking crew and then there was a, a gap, at least a gap, at least to my taste. I, I agree might hundred percent. I might be missing a ton of stuff, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, you had bands out, well, you know, Out Cold was not a Boston band, but they're of Massachusetts and Out Cold's right. flawless. I, I can't speak yeah. highly enough of that band. They're like uh, my favorite hardcore band of the past 20, 30 years. I mean, as far as yeah. bands that really did it well. <laughs> Western Mass fan, weren't they? 
No, they were Eastern Mass. Uh, uh, I can't. I might be mispronouncing the name. Uh, Dracut or Dracut. Oh, okay. Anyway, you know, Slapshot. You know, um, taught. When did you first hear "Back on the Map"? I mean, or which one did you hear first? Step on it or "Back on the Map"? I think I heard "Back on the." You know what? I I think I actually heard uh, "16 Valve Hate" maybe first. Okay. Might have been the first one that I heard because this would have been in like the early 2000s, like 2003, 2004. I was still in high school. Uh, so I would have heard one of those first and I made my, I worked my way backwards. Uh, or Digital Warfare, actually. I think that one came out in 2002. Yikes. That might have been the first one that I heard and I loved it. I, I was like, holy shit, this is so fast and this is so mean. And I had had like, you know, I liked Minor Threat and uh, anything that I could get my hands on it, like an FYE or at the time, I think there was still like Coconuts or whatever the fuck they were. Uh, all those places, I, I you know, and Quonset Hunt, anything that I could see there that kind of had a like a recommendation, like a record label was like, oh, if you like for fans of blah, blah, blah. I just, you know, poured all my money into that. But I picked uh, I picked that up because of a recommendation off a CD that I was going to buy instead. And I picked that up and I was like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. It's so mean. It's so fast. Chokes vocals are fucking killer. The drummer is incredible, uh, just fast, like plays everything perfectly, uh, great fills, you know, whatever. And then uh, I was like, huh, I was like, this band's been around for a long time. So I worked my way completely backwards, went to like a CD game exchange at the time and bought everything that they had up until yeah. that point. Uh, so because I liked Minor Threat already. I liked Bad Brains already. I liked Negative Approach already. Uh, all of that kind of stuff. I really, man, uh, Step On It really fucking turned me on. Like I, I, it was like exactly what I needed, what I needed to hear. Uh, and it, you know, I was not, I didn't get into playing drums until like a little later. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like I, I was like a later, like later teens. So the fact that I was listening to this guy do, you know, play the shit that he was playing as fast and as even, but still with like a semblance of groove that like drew me in. But then just the, the ferocity of the music itself. And like I said, I love, I still love chokes vocals. I think they're, they're incredible. Uh, but yeah, man, like it, it just like blew me away with how, how nasty, uh, and how fast and how awesome that, uh, that they both, that they both were.
speaking about Mark McKay, who was notably like um, a really, like you said, a really, really good drummer, like super tight and um, reminded me a lot of um, the way Jeff Nelson, as you point out, minor threat played like very, very good drummers, but not flashy in a way say, well, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I think that there is more than any other instrument or slot in a band that you could be in in hardcore. I think that there's a wider variety of good drummers in hardcore than there are, yeah. say, great guitar players or great bass players or even great 100%. vocalists. Yeah. Um, you know, Lucky Lear from uh, Circle Jerks comes to mind. I can see, can't you see? Jeff Nelson, Minor Threat, uh, Earl from Bad Brains, Mackie from Crow yeah. Mags, but Mark McKay is a really fucking good drummer, and I I've seen it. I've seen you know, um, I saw them on the Sudden Death Overtime tour. I caught them a little bit later. It was like the third album, second album actually. You know, if you're splitting hairs, because back right. on a Maps and EP, but um, right. he was fantastic. He was really fucking good. I mean, and they're just a great band. And I think that they're a logical conclusion of what was going on in Boston. You know, back on it, back on a map came out in 86, step on it, 88. And if you think about the context, you know, it, what else came out in 86? Well, uh, Chromag's Age of Coral, which right. was way more metal than back on a map yeah. although i don't a masterpiece it, in yeah. its own right but app you're absolutely right not the, it's not, the it's punk not element a, was further away yeah it's it's not a metal yeah. record by any stretch but right. you can hear more of those elements in there you don't hear For that sure. on back on the map no and man you not hear at all more of the you know famously the english oi thing but you can hear right. the same oi influences in minor threat if you're really listening and for sure more even more so a negative approach particularly yeah yep. but yeah so that comes out and you have that juxtaposition between it, the world's going crossover mad including their boston contemporaries are making terrible rock records and here's slapshot yeah. right right and then you know step on it comes out and it's at the height of the whole youth crew thing out in New York. And look, right. I've got a lot of love for some of those bands, you know, Sure. Um, other ones, not so much. And I think that as great as some of those records that were coming out of the youth crew thing, the whole rev catalog were, you know, step on it sounded decidedly more punk than any of those albums did. 
and I think that that's kind of important because you know Slapshot was making a statement like, no, we're we're a hardcore punk band, you know. Right. In spite of you know the later song "Punk's Dead, You're Next," I think that yeah, right. They were still saying, "Yo, this is this is how it's played." Now that being said, you can listen to some of those Rev records, and you can definitely hear the punk rock in them. It's just oh, for sure, like you for said, sure. a little, a little, a little less prominent, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, and you know, Chokes an engaging frontman, and um, just I- I've come to discover over the years just from you know, hearing things uh, through people who know him uh, either closely or not through social media and various other, uh, right. The guy's got a wicked sense of humor. Um, Oh, hilarious. Yeah. Like, like very inappropriate, very uh, yeah. Which I love that, that, that he's he's like a heel. I feel like too. He like plays the heel without a doubt. He is. He definitely plays the heel. One of the things that I read and I did not know this up, you know, the band infest was on tour. And he posted on social media that uh, Infest was one of the most unlistenable bands ever, right? <laughs> so people were right. up in arms about it. Right, right. He makes a guest appearance on stage with them because they decided they're doing a negative <laughs> FX cover. He did it on purpose. Right, right, right. You know, right. And, and, and yeah. he, pro- he probably likes Infest, you know, but yeah. just the fact he was willing to go to that length to do that, is, right. it's endearing, you know, and he's yeah. a cranky old man. And and I yeah. kind of like that. That song, uh, you know, fuck New York, where it's just like you, we took out uh, two buildings down and you're still here. It's like, dude, are you fuck? like, that's the kind of shit that I'm saying. It's like, dude, it's so shitty, but it's so funny to be like, you know, it's all tongue in cheek. You know what I'm saying? But, and people got really fucking sad about that. And he did apologize, you know, but there was like New York hardcore gang member guys that were like, we're going to fucking kill you. And like all this shit. He was like, ah, I'm just making a fucking jump from Boston. 
I'm in a, I'm in the one of the like the premier Boston hardcore band. The other know? thing was, from what I understand, he did have some legitimate beef with certain people because he just felt that they were being, uh, you know, not genuine in what they were portraying as far sure. as what they were doing. I know, I, you know, famously in uh, the song "Dealing with Pennies," apparently, you know, he had a problem with the guys in Youth of Today. Yeah. You know, he didn't have a problem with the early New York bands because when he's in Negative Effects, he was playing shows. Right. I don't know. I don't know if he was playing shows with them, but I know he had gone down to some of those New York shows and stuff like that. He was, you know, buddies with some of those guys. But, right. you know, um, it's interesting to see how mythology, you know, blows up. You right. I mean, hey, do you right. hear that? Yeah. <laughs> you hear that? I hear it. She straight crawled out of her crib, dude. Oh, you know. Yeah, let me go get her. <laughs> Hold on.
yeah she uh straight up crawled out of her crib and went to knock on her mom's door because she uh her mom's in her bedroom working yeah so and this is my two-year-old it's not even the four-year-old that's doing this you know it's just a Um, party animal All right, that's the end of the first part of my conversation with Fed's vocalist, Frank McGee. Be sure to check out part two. It's up right now and available for you to listen to at your leisure. Uh, Thanks again for checking it out, and uh, we'll see you soon.